Help us, O God of grace, to receive the gift of your love. Amen. Why is it that some people have such struggles when it comes to faith, while others seemingly cannot not believe? I'm sure we can all think of people that would fall into both of those categories. Some seem allergic to the idea of faith and utterly reject it. And others, even if they don't particularly want to believe anything, do it as naturally as taking a breath. And of course, those are not the only two options out there. It's a continuum. Each of us is somewhere along that spectrum of belief. What causes us to be in different places when it comes to belief? Is it something in our DNA? Is it what our parents did or did not teach us? Does our IQ score or net worth influence it? Our past hurts and traumas from religion a factor? Might our culture be pulling us in one direction or the other? Perhaps. One factor that does have a large gravitational pull towards skepticism is the fact that we live in a disenchanted world. I spoke about this some in Advent, and I'm probably going to keep talking about it, because as I continue to read and talk to people, this seems to be the fatal flaw in our modern understanding of faith, that faith no longer belongs in the world. Faith and religion are seen as antiquities from a bygone era that have outlived their usefulness. We've lowered our expectations of what is probable and possible. So prayers are now ridiculed as words with no impact. Sacraments are viewed as rituals that maybe affect our attitude, but they have no tangible reality. Doctrine is seen as something not that binds us together, but as principles that are imposed upon us. And all of this happens because we have shrunk our world down to what is currently observable by scientific instruments and senses. We've reduced all meaning to our experience of it, and we have closed our imagination to things that are bigger and beyond us. This is our modern landscape. There's no sense pretending that it is not. Disenchantment makes faith harder for all of us. Now, to be sure, there are many reasons why we do come to faith, just as there are many reasons why we do not come to faith. And this means that there is no simple way for us to help in bringing our family, friends, neighbors, and classmates to faith. There is not a pamphlet that we can give them that will address all of their intellectual concerns. There is not a proof that we have for the scientifically verifiable existence of God. There is not a particular painting, sermon, piece of music, or sunset that we can just introduce people to with the predictable outcome of them always coming to faith. Which begs the question, what do we even mean by faith? Faith, and I'll use the term belief in this sermon to mean the same thing, is not about our thoughts or intellectual commitments. Faith is not our opinion about the story that we live by, whether that's the story of Jesus, 
or Buddha or Muhammad or success or just being a nice person. Nor is faith about what we do. Faith is not about our generosity, forgiving, charity, or spiritual disciplines. And this means that faith cannot be evaluated based on how often we pray a rosary, or read scripture, or come to church, or serve at Rowan Helping Ministries, or how much money we give. Sure, those might be the results of our faith, but they are not the proof of it. Believing is not about what we think, and it is not about what we do. Rather, belief is a relationship with the God who is. And because we are talking about a God who is beyond us, faith is always a gift that is initiated by God. The relationship of faith always comes from God to us. Faith is not about our efforts to get to God. No, faith is God's gift of being known to us. And this relationship, it happens through the experiences that we have. And therein lies the reason why different people respond differently to the gift of faith. Experiences have to be interpreted. Because we all know that we can experience the same event and walk away from it with vastly different interpretations of what happened. An example that social scientists like to use is called the invisible gorilla experiment. Now, logic would tell you that if there was a gorilla walking up and down the aisle as I'm preaching, you all would notice that. But experience says otherwise. The experimenters told some people to count the number of times the basketball was being dribbled. Others were given no such instructions. And then, in the middle of this basketball game, a person in a gorilla suit walked across the court. Now, for those who were told that they would be rewarded for accurately counting how many times the ball bounced, when they were asked what they thought when that gorilla walked across the court, half responded, what gorilla? It's a way of pointing to the fact that though the gift of faith is obvious to some, others of us can be so bogged down with tasks and worries that we don't even notice it. And because we all have access to the same news, and yet we vote differently, it shows us that having the same set of facts does not guarantee that we will reach the same conclusions. That experience gap is even larger when we don't start from having the same facts. And when we apply this to faith, we see why it is the gift of faith is so warmly received by some and rejected by others. We are influenced by our situation, by our lenses, our assumptions, our past experiences. Now, this does not change the fact that we have all received this gift of faith. God has reached out to each of us and to all of us. But it means that we will receive this differently and respond differently. So if we want to more fully embrace this gift of faith and share it with others, how can we attune ourselves better to this gift and then share it? Well, here we turn to St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church. We heard, When I came to you, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God with lofty words or wisdom, but nothing except Christ crucified. 
so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but the power of God. So often, though, we do rely on human wisdom when it comes to faith. We evaluate our beliefs through the lens of what we think is logical or reasonable. And we know that this is a faulty approach. For one, our logic is always susceptible to being biased and ignorance. We are so easily manipulated when it comes to how we understand the world all around us. If you want to learn more about this, I, I recommend the book Thinking Fast and Slow by the Nobel Prize winning psychologist Daniel Kahneman. The point of the book is that our thinking is never pure. And if we turn faith into an intellectual argument, something either you agree with or not, well, just look around and you can see the results of that. Religious affiliation on the decline, church attendance decreasing, a world that seems to be growing harsher and more fragile by the day. This is a fatally flawed approach to faith. And it's why it seems like faith is dying. Approaching faith only through our minds, only through the lens of logic and reason, is like trying to evaluate the beauty of a symphony based on its volume, or trying to measure love. And love really is the best way to understand faith. As we heard, our faith rests on the power of God. And the power of God is the power of love, which is exemplified in the cross of Jesus. There's a story of a mother who, when she held her first child, said that she now knows a love that is greater than is evolutionarily required. And there is far more beauty, goodness, and love in this world than is required simply as a function of evolution or philosophy. We all have yearnings and hopes that make no rational sense. We long for justice, even when that would put us in a position of having less power. We desire community, belonging, forgiveness, and meaning. But why? Sure, there are scientific ways to understand our brain chemistry and social evolution, but we all know that those answers are ultimately unsatisfying because they do not connect to the depths of our longing for those things. Logic and reason suppress the sort of wonder that makes faith come alive and dance. To be sure, there is a, a certain intellectual beauty and resonance to our faith, but it's like the shimmering of a star. It's the result, not the cause. At its core, faith is the gift of God's love towards all of us. And the way this love is most fully seen is in the low places. One theologian has said that God's office is found at the end of your rope. But if through our distractions, power, denial, and pleasures, we refuse to acknowledge just how needy and vulnerable we are, we will have a harder time embracing this love that defies all explanation. If we are constantly clutching on to our reputation and success, it's so much harder to open our hands 
and receive that gift of being known and loved, if we are white-knuckling our way through life, we will find it that much harder to notice that love that is more than evolutionarily required. But this is a challenge because to be loved is to be known. We open most Sundays by praying, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. That's a scary and vulnerable prayer. We live in such a judgmental world. We are so hard on ourselves that we resist being fully known because that opens us to criticism and pain. But the God who is love meets us not with judgment, not with a command to do better and try harder, but with the love that created all things and is working to make all things well. This is one of the reasons why Jesus died on the cross, to make it clear just how totally and fully God is with us and for us. God goes to the absolute lowest place to show us that even there, love wins. And it is often so much easier to receive that gift of faith when we are in those low places where we do not have a bank account, job title, to-do list, awards, or the illusion of health to distract us. But everything about our culture goes against this grain of lowliness. None of us want to be thought of as losers, failures, or rejects. But it's only when we come to our limits that we begin to truly receive the gift of faith. Only when we stop striving to be loved do we realize we are already loved. Only when we stop trying to make up for our mistakes can we see that we've already been forgiven. Only when we stop searching for God do we realize we've already been found. God is not an idea. And faith is not something that we think or produce. Rather, faith is the gift we've been given. It's a question of how we acknowledge this gift. And then if we use it as God intends, or do we push it off to the side and insist, no, I've got this under control. Because the truth of the matter is that none of us are in control. And it would be so great if we could see that before a tragedy is what it takes to make that obvious. Faith is not something that we have. It is a gift that we are given to use. We use our faith to forgive, to be generous, to be brave, to do justice, to hope, to love. This Sunday, you might have noticed, has a funny name, Septuagesima, meaning that we are roughly 70 days from Easter, closing in on Ash Wednesday. Lent typically is a season for examining our faith. So give some time before Ash Wednesday to plan for a holy Lent this year. How might you plan to let go so that you can be caught by God's grace? What might allow you to focus more on the cross of Christ as the way of life and love? How can you attend more to the relationship with the God who is? How might you open yourself to being more fully known and loved by God? How can you invite others to come and see 
this love. Let's start planning to get lost in Lent so that come Easter, we might be found in wonder, love, and praise.